You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time to think. Up the floor. Reza dropped down. Kobe! Oh! A high! Down hard! Kobe Bryant! Very deep, yeah. Blocked by LeBron! That basketball <laughs> will never be the same! And welcome to Hardwood Radio. In our journey towards the beginning of the season, Ben, we are stopping today in the Southeast Division. Yes, sir. Before we start, I'd like to send, uh, we would like to give um, point guard of the New Orleans Pelicans, Drew Holiday, our best wishes of good luck. Uh, he just learned each this week that he's going to miss the beginning of the season because his wife who is pregnant uh, has has to get surgery for a brain tumor uh, you Ooh. might know his wife kevin she is a member of the u.s national women's soccer team what's her name a lady named lauren holiday yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah and she's pregnant right now she has a brain tumor she's fighting for her life oh my anyway good luck drew holiday you are the worst out of luck player I've ever seen in the last five or ten years, but hopefully you can make it uh, uh, for the start of the season. Kevin, I was thinking, um, have you seen the latest uh, thriller for the NBA 2K, the one that came out today? No, I haven't seen the one today, no. It is narrated by my boy Kevin Harlan. Oh my God. Oh my God. He, the one who starts the, 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 if you don't know who he is, he's the one who starts the intro of the show. He is my favorite announcer in all sports. I wish he would narrate my life. Um, he, he and 11 other people are going to be uh, part of the cast of NBA 2017. Uh, Chris Webber is going to be there. Shaq is going to be there. Ernie Johnson, Kenny Smith. You're, gonna, you're, you're my player in my career is going to be grilled by Kenny Smith and uh, Shaquille O'Neal after the games. I might even buy a PS4 just to play this baby. <laughs> well, you kind of have to now. They're getting new PS4s that were announced last week, so you might be just in time to get the cheaper ones, Ben. <laughs> pretty much pretty much my idea. <laughs> That's pretty good. And uh, be well, there's, before we talk about the Southeast Division too. well, it's timely. Tomorrow is the Hall of Fame, the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And it's quite a class of eclectic characters this year. What it's touted to be probably the most popular and most well-known class of basketball players of all time going into the Hall of Fame at once. Oh, absolutely. And it's spearheaded by a player we knew, that everyone knew that if he would remain healthy from year one, that he would end up in the Hall of Fame, Shaquille O'Neal. The big diesel, yeah. the uh, the big Aristotle. Like I people very, forget very... how how Shaquille O'Neal changed the basketball world. He was one of the first good big men, right? He like created a trend, and you have to go back to like nineteen ninety two, ninety three. It's it's crazy. He was he he was and and something we've never seen before. He was an unknown force back then, like. This even today, 
a seven foot two, 300 pound guy that is that athletic, that can jump, that can rebound. That's going to fight the big show at WrestleMania next year. Oh, exactly. And who loves basketball the way he does. And it's a very important part of the equation for a big guy to love basketball because not, not all of them do. And, um, and like it was, he might not have, have been the first great big guy in the game, but he was, he revolutionized the big man game. That's for sure. Yeah. Cause he was not just the guy who's going to stay in front of the net and just block everything and not just a guy who dunks everything. Like the way he played tactically, it changed everything. And he grew up in a way where he saw like three different era of the NBA. He saw the Jordan at its A day era. Then he saw the post Jordan era, the Kobe, the years, mm -hmm. and now the era of LeBron and as well played with. Uh, so, you know, he's seen almost three different eras and contribute to a different way to each era. But he is one of the for sure first ballot type of all the famer. And it's great to see him coming in. But another guy that's great to see him coming in is Alan Iverson. And, you know, There's only one thing that was proper for him to go because before tomorrow, tomorrow's the real dinner and the officiating. Well, there's a rehearsal one tonight, which you can usually call a practice. And guess what? He wasn't there. <laughs> He wasn't there for practice because it's just practice. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Iverson, I, I think he, I think it's a nice honor for him, but away from, he was a guy very much about the moment, you know, away from the arena away from the hardwood and the lights i think he's going to be happy for it i think he might even drop a tear or two but it doesn't mean the same as winning a championship would have back in the days uh, it's going to uh, it's going to i think he's going to be more sad to put a put a, an end point to his career than he's going to be happy to be in the hall of fame to be honest true another big man and because he revolutionized NBA in a different way and Yao Ming is not going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame tomorrow because of his statistics because of his longevity but because he opened up a revenue stream for the NBA that did not expect to have when the China market rose up for the NBA it's a game changer and that's what they're going to continue to do but Yao Ming was the first one of that generation that's brought a couple of other ones but Yao Ming is seven foot tall giant in China have taken over in the uh, 2000s in the NBA remember with the Houston Rockets T-Mac back then but Yao Ming you know he opened up a different market for the NBA and it's one of the reasons why he's going to go into the Hall of Fame tomorrow. He did Yao Ming what Hakeem Olajuwon. He did for China Yao Ming what Hakeem Olajuwon did for Africa in the 1990s, and even more. Like Yao Ming did. Like I understand some people are upset that Yao Ming is in the Hall of Fame, and maybe some more accomplished players aren't. But Yao Ming has done more than just for the NBA. He has done incredible things for basketball. There would not be a professional basketball league in China. And it would not be as healthy as it is today if it wasn't for Yao Ming. Uh, he, he is one of the true ambassadors that globalized the sports. And he was probably also the best player over seven foot three to ever live. Um, yeah, guys, but because let's face it, there was not a lot and it's not that hard. But because... For us, Ben, because we're not seven for three, it seems easy to just take a basketball and shoot it correctly. Mm -hmm. But at that height, 
you don't bend the same way. You don't. You're not the same type of species, almost. So no, it is more difficult for for him to not just play well, but to to have the perception that he's fluid because he cannot be fluid the way we look at how a man like this should move. But the thing is, that's the thing. Like these guys at seven foot tall and more, seven foot up to seven foot two, maybe like most guys are healthy, but seven foot two and more, like it's. Like these guys are deformed. These guys are not supposed to be that tall. There's something that went on with their developments that messed with them, and they're uncoordinated. Uh, they're slower, but they're so tall and so big that they're able to play basketball better than most humans and better than most basketball uh, basketball players. If you want a good example, take Sean Bradley, who is seven foot six two, who is uh, Mr. Dunkton. He's a guy who's been the most dunkton, I think, in the history of the NBA. But Yao Ming, he was, he loved basketball. That's the thing that Sean Bradley didn't. There was a good um, documentary, uh, called Posterized, that was published by ESPN a couple of years ago, where they retraced Sean Bradley and they explained, they, 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 they tried to get an interview out of him. He's very reluctant, but basically what he says is that he never really liked playing basketball. Oh, there was gosh. always other imp- more important things to, in life than, to, than him. We don't think so, about that, Ben, but that's a fair point that you're mentioning. When you're seven foot tall in life, everybody's going to look at you and say, hey, you should play basketball. You should be a basketball mm, player because mm. you're that tall. It should be easy for you. Just go apply and you'll get a scholarship. You'll go to school because of it. You don't mm. have to love it. It's just almost as necessity because of the, the, the size you have. Exactly. And Yao Ming, he loved playing basketball. Like he developed a wide array of post moves. He was very active. He was very fluid. Uh, He worked on his athleticism. Like most big guy, he got hurt a lot. And eventually his injuries got the best of him. He's not not very old. I mean, he's like 35 or 36 today. So he could, if he would have been injury free, could have still played. And but uh, he's like he got like really really uh, bugged down by foot injuries by back injuries, but if he had been healthy, he would have been a force and he would have even probably be enough of a force to get the Houston Rockets to a championship. And just to illustrate how popular this class of the Hall of Fame is, I knew all the names that we mentioned so far, and I still know the next two. Cheryl Soups, like, I probably know, like, two names of the whole WNBA history. <laughs> but Cheryl Soups is one of them, who was uh, uh, one of the mainstay in the, not the early part of this year, but of the, the league, I mean. But after mm-hmm. the first couple of years this league existed, she was a superstar, and she carried that league. Yes, it's the underground. Not a lot of people talk about the WNBA. It is a niche sports Yes, but Cheryl Swoop was the superstar of that sport, and she will be the one inducted in the women's uh, side of the Naismith Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. And uh, what, who was the other name that you know? Tom Izzo, coach of oh, Michigan no, State. Oh, no, no, but for, for the WNBA. Oh, no. I, 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 see? I can't remember <laughs> now. I, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, oh, do, I don't know that many names either. I know oh, what's her Cash, name? I know Maya Moore. I know uh, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi. No. And that's about it. Oh, it was a C. Oh, uh, here. So let's just say the one name. She was the only one name. And first of all, Cheryl Swoops. She was destined to be a basketball player. Oh, of course, of course. She's a machine. <laughs> Tom Izzo, coach of... Um, Michigan, uh, Michigan State, State Spartans. Exactly. One of the winniest... No, the winniest coach, I think, now, after last year in, uh, mm-hmm. by, in uh, the NCAA. Basketball, it's... 
impressive what he has done over the years, taking mm-hmm. teams that are not necessarily supposed to win and bringing him far into the Final Four, but not just that, having a program year in, year out that produces great basketball players. Oh, yeah, and he's enforcing work ethic. He's, he's developing a kind of player for the NBA that all work the same. Like, like you see these players, you know what they're going to be good at, what they're going to be bad at, but you see... They all have the same kind of drive. They all have the same kind of energy they bring to the game. Uh, uh, Draymond Green in recent years played for Tom Izzo. Denzel Valentine uh, this year uh, for uh, he played going to play for the Chicago Bulls this year. He played for Tom Izzo. They were like multi-talented, positionless guys who can do damage in many, many different ways. Um, I think he's in my top five of the most important college basketball coaches ever. Like, we're talking about players like Draymond Green, Denzel mm-hmm. Valentine, Mateen Clevis, Chris Hild. This is just a recent crop, but when you go back to the years, you have uh, Maurice Peterson. Mo Pete, famous Toronto player, yes. was under him. A lot of great players that developed, not necessarily superstars, but because of their work ethic, because of what their coach has showed them over their three, four, like a Chris Hill. He was there for four years and he learned how to be a better player underneath Tom Izzo. And that is a testament to the coach and not just the athletes. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, like Tom Izzo players, you want them on your team. If they have the uh, physical capabilities to play in the NBA, they're definitely guys you want on your team. They're great teammates. They're smart. They're uh, they're selfless. They're 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 the stuff of uh, championships. And you know, Draymond Green showed it with the uh, Golden State Warriors last year, the year before. Pardon me. Yeah, exactly. So we'll just finish quickly because uh, those are the less known name of this very superstar-ish uh, class of the Hall of Fame. Uh, we have John McClendon, Zelmo Beattie, Daryl Gerritsen, Cumberland Posey, and Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf, a former owner of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, does he still own them? I don't know. Uh, that's um, Maybe uh, he does, actually. I, I don't know, I um, because he's very old, so that's possible. He doesn't Here, own them so anymore. But talk for one second, Ben, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's he was a father figure, a founding father of the Michael Jordan era in uh, Chicago. He uh, there was a lot. He was a very um, he was a very he is uh, still an owner. He is still, still an owner of uh, well, part owner of the Bulls and part owner of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, and he's a very controversial figure. Uh, there was a lot of, um, in Phil Jackson's books, he says a lot of uh, the roster overturn that didn't seem necessary in the championship bowls were because of him, were because he didn't like certain player, were because he thought they were they cost too much money. So uh, he, this kind of this kind of burning fire, this kind of burning passion that's ultimately destructive, I think it's integral to building championship teams so too. You, so you're saying that Jerry Reinsdorf was the original Mark Cuban? Yes, exactly. That's a very good comparison. All right, let's move to the Southeast Division, Ben. We'll yes. just go from probably what could be known as the worst from the division to the top, and we'll finish with your prediction of the division. Let's talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, a lot of things have changed since LeBron left town, right? 
they've lost a lot of pieces. They've lost LeBron. They lost, lost Dwayne Wade now. Dwayne Wade last year. And Chris Bosh might be sitting for the season. And guess what, Kevin? I think Pat Riley is going to try to sit him for the season. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you you rest. You you stay home. You stay home. I think they're going to try to stink on purpose, and there's a reason for that. Um, there's their wheels are starting to come off the wagon in Miami. Um, they're starting to get old. They're starting to lose some pieces. And in 2019 and 2021. From my knowledge, maybe they owe more, but they start owing uh, first-round draft pick to other teams. So there are two there are two years left to get a new savior on the team. Uh, so I think they're going to suck on purpose. Um, they still have good players. I think um, they have Justice Winslow. They want Fultz. Going... They want Markel Fultz. Yes, that's what they uh, that's what they want. Yeah, I, I figured. Maybe Markel Fultz or Harry Giles or. Um, I think they're going to try and trade Goran Dragic because Goran Dragic this year is going to be a lot better than last year because he's actually going to be the ball handler of this team. Uh, they're going to put the ball in his hands, then they're going to give him their destiny, and that's how he's really efficient. That's when he's driving an offense. So I think they're going to try to uh, trade him. I think they might even try to trade Hassan Whiteside. Well, I was going. I was going to ask you. I was, I was going to ask: mm. Is this team going to be uh, the team? Behind Hassan Whiteside, is he like the because he's, he's basically the biggest name left? If Chris Bosh doesn't play, he is. Um, he and the thing about Hassan Whiteside is, is as much of a problem as it is an asset. Um, his teammates are not overly in love with him. He's not doesn't have a great touch on offense. He's a tremendous defensive player, but he tries to do everything by himself, which is a huge problem for NBA teams. Um, I think. If Dallas Kim comes with a half interesting offer that includes a first round draft pick, I think if they send him to Dallas halfway into this year and like they try to get Markel Falls or Josh Jackson or whoever is going to be available. Now, another team that is probably not going to be the best at that division at all. Uh, we're talking about Washington, the Wizards. Bradley Bill and company. What's going to happen with the Wizard this year? Will they even get close to a playoff spot or will they just continue to just be? I have the Wizards closely missing the playoff this year. Another heartbreak. Um, they have good players, the Wizards. They're just very very mismanaged um they got a new coach this year in scott brooks and but they got some they got some random they paid a lot of money for some random player on the free agents market um they got yan mahinmi from um, uh, indiana who they paid 16 million um they got andrew nicholson who's not going to see a lot of play this year uh, he's going to be buried in the rotation in Washington, too. They're very frail at the wing still with Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre. I feel for John Wall, man. John Wall is, I think, in a vacuum, the best point guard in the NBA. And I say in a vacuum. like teammate, Without teammates, I think he's, he's the best overall player. And he's just, he just doesn't have anybody to pass the ball to except maybe Bradley Beal. And I think... They're going to slog their way through the season again. They're going to have some great performance. They're going to have some bad ones. And at the end, they're going to miss uh, the playoffs by a hair. 
and John Wall may even demand a trade. Wow. All right. Let's move to a team that got a little bit bigger. Uh, they're still very young, but they got a new coach now, and they have a superstar to get behind. Frank Vogel is actually going to probably be a good coach for this young roster, talking mm-hmm. about the Orlando Magic. Serge Ibaka is the big name in town now. How is it going to fit in that lineup, and how do you see the Magic faring this year, Ben? The, the Magic, someone... In the Magic's, uh, in the Magic's uh, organization, has been given an ultimatum somewhere, because they ha- they added big money talent uh, this summer. They traded Victor Oladipo, who was a fan favorite, uh, with, uh, with uh, first round draft pick Domenta Sabonis for Ibaka, who's paid 15 million. They add, they got a a backup center. In Bismack Biombo, who they're going to play, who they're going to pay more money than their starting center, Nikola Vucevic. And they got Jeff Green at 15 million. 15 million is a lot of money for a guy who never accomplished anything uh, in the NBA. It's a lot of money, period. No, no matter what. No matter what sport, I think it's a lot of money, man. <laughs> so, what I think our lineup will look like they're going to have a starting five Alfred Payton, who I like, but who can't shoot. Uh, Evan Fournier, the French guy who can't shoot very well. Jeff Green, Serge Ibaka, and Nikola Vucevic. Where does Aaron Gordon fit in there? That's a good question. Where does Mario Hezanya fit in there? That's a good well, question. I, uh, re- yep. uh, reading up on Orlando, the, there's a possibility that we would start Aaron Gordon as power forward and you start Ibaka at center. And then you build the rest around those two pieces. What do you do with Vucevic then? Vucevic you, you, is... you, 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 you trade him or something. I guess he's on a good salary. He's not the best defensive player, but he's probably one of the top three offensive uh, centers in the NBA. So I guess, and he's very young. So I guess you trade Vucevic, but it's, I don't know. It seems like a risk to me. There's a lot of pieces that have been added. I think they're going to do well. They're going to have a good surge that should allow them into the playoffs. I don't think it's going to turn that team's destiny over. I don't think they're going to contend for anything, really. They're going to be in the playoffs, and that's it. Now, we're going to talk about the one team. Well, there's like three teams I, I loved in my history of basketball in my life. Like, But this team, I wanted that jacket in 1992. <laughs> and you know what jacket I'm going to be yes. talking about. It was flashy it was looked like somebody painted on it with like a airbrush can it was the charlotte ornets teal and like white and teal and gray jacket that cost like 300 bucks at like champs or something (laughs) i wanted it so bad but never got it but i got the hat and i was the first basketball team that i fell in love with without even never watching game just because of the charlotte hornets and i know there's millions of people in the same boat as i am Oh, definitely. Um, the Charlotte Hornets, since they re-entered the league in 2004 as the Bobcats, um, they're owned by Michael Jordan, who is not as good of an owner as he was in a, play- a player, to say the least. Uh, not uh, at all, even. Uh, he's closer he, to Wade Gretzky as a coach than Michael Jordan as a player. Yes, <laughs> and he he's a very hands-on, he's a very handsy owner. He likes to take decisions. He likes to mingle in the affairs of his team, and it cost the team several times. The Hornets are good. They're well coached. That's their biggest asset. They don't have any 
transformative talent in the team. Like there's no takeover force on that team. They have they're well coached. They have a, two good wing players in Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Nicholas Batum. And I wish I don't know who they're going to fit together, but Batum is getting paid 120 million this year, so I guess it's going to start. Uh, <clears throat> they got some good shooters. I don't. I, they, they made the playoffs by a hair last year. They they look okay. I'm just I'm just not convinced it's something they can replicate. Such a high such a high percentage mm-hmm. jump shooting success without many good jump shooters. I well, mean, uh, you have though the return in full health of a Michael Kidd Gilchrist that will maybe make yes. a little bit of difference because yeah. Jeremy Lin left, Al Jefferson left as well, but at least Kid Gilchrist is back 100% and maybe ready to contribute this year. Uh, once again, like the thing, is, the thing, the main thing is going to give, like he's going to give defense, he's going to give athleticism, but like whenever the, the, the Hornets got very good last year is when they moved all these guys who were not elite shooters out of the lineup. Uh, Michael Chris, Kid Gilchrist was injured that year. And so... I don't know how it's going to work. I don't have a good feeling for the Charlotte Hornets uh, next year at all. And we finish off the Southeast Division overview of the teams before your prediction uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, They're not necessarily the worst team like a few years back, but they're not going to be a contender either. How do you see Atlanta Hawks uh, with hometown kid Dwight Howard now in the team? Is it the game changer? Will you bring this team that were maybe on the brink and didn't fizzle out to be that quite good last year. He couldn't they become the Hawks of their former glory of the when their jersey were really that ugly. Um, they the Hawks when they were taken over by Mike Budenholzer in 2013 were instantly good, uh, but it, their system relied on everyone on court. Uh, they did not have takeover talent, but as long as everybody was performing the way they were supposed to do and passing the ball the way they were supposed to do, everything was good and the best of the world. They have lost some important pieces this summer. Like they lost Al Horford, who I would who I would not be ready to say that a couple years ago. But right now, I can tell you, right now, he's better than Dwight Howard. He's a better player than Dwight Howard. Uh, they lost Jeff Teague, who they traded for almost for Torian Prince, only for the only reason that Jeff Teague was not going to re-sign with them next summer. Uh, so they got a starting five of Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Korver, who is slowing down, Kent Bazemore, who is now paid, who's an undrafted player now paid twenty millions a year, uh, Paul Millsap, who is their best player, and Dwight Howard. Only guy I trust there is Millsap. Only guy I think is going to do a good job is Millsap. Schroeder yeah. has a lot of potential, but I haven't seen him bust bust through it. And I think it's going to be a disappointing season for the Hawks. And for me, just to explain Dwight Howard, how I'm not convinced whenever he comes to a new team, because I use experience. I use what I have seen in the past. Mm. And uh, what the last three teams he went to, it didn't work out, if I'm not mistaken. Because Houston uh, didn't work out, LA didn't work out, and Orlando he uh, he left Orlando. That's the only place I actually worked out. He worked out. It worked out for some time in Orlando, but the rumor once that Shaquille O'Neal started talking to him around 2010, saying like, if he, if he was, if he wouldn't be a good post-up player, he would never be in the Hall of Fame. 
and Dwight became obsessed by that, changed its style of play, and which has doomed the magic. Uh, Dwight Howard was always a force when he was using the pick and roll, where he would roll to the basket and dunk over the defense. Um, he became he became a much lesser player back then, and he has been a much lesser player ever since. And I like the skill set of Dwight Howard as next to Paul Millsap, but I don't like Dwight Howard next to Paul Millsap, and I don't think they're going to mesh very well with each other. Uh, Paul Millsap is a very uh, low-profile guy, he's a, a consummate professional, not Dwight Howard. I think I think uh, there's potential recipe for disaster here. And that brings us to your predictions in the yes. Southeast Division. Let's start by who will finish in the bottom of that division, according to Benoit. I have the Miami Heat basically throwing away their season in order to get a high draft pick. Probably It's going, probably going to end up in the top 10. I have the Miami Heat winning 25 games this season. Oof, that is not a lot. No, but um, it should be enough to keep them out of the very, very bottom. All right. And who is fourth in that division? I debated with myself a lot, and I gave it to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, There's something wrong with that team. There's something wrong with the way that team is constructed. Uh, I think think, um, it relies too much like like the... um, like the Hawks a couple of years ago on having everybody performing very well and their best pieces don't conform to their uh, ideology for success. I have them winning 33 games this year and missing the playoffs. In third position, and according to you, just close to maybe fighting for a playoff spot, but that depends on the other team how successful their season are. Uh, yes, and they're, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. I have the Washington Wizards winning 39 um, games. Have I see them having a lot of problems down low. I see them not having a very, um, a very coherent offense. I think that uh, Markeith Morris and Marcin Gortat are good players, but they're not great, and they cannot quite follow a guy like John Wall around. I think they're going to be one of the tragedies this year. And in second position with a record of 42-40, which will, um, that will be either a playoff spot or just missing it by a hair. Yes, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, the Atlanta Hawks were always a fragile construction. They are great, but a lot of pieces that made them great, including Hal Horford, are gone. And while they still have the pieces to get a lot of success, I think they're going to go through a rough transition years they might even uh, lose Paul Millsap somewhere uh, down the line um, I have them winning 42 games only maybe missing the playoffs and who is going to be the winner of the 2016-2017 Southeast Division in the NBA I have a very gloomy Southeast Division in the NBA I have the Orlando Magic being on top of the division with 45 wins only it's not a lot. Um, it's, I think, as much as what they invested is going to buy them. Um, they've invested a lot of money, but not on a lot of talent. Um, they're going to have veteran presence. They're going to help develop the young guns. But I don't know. It's um, they're, 
had they, they they they're having they hired some hired guns basically like what what are our hired guns are going to do to you they're going to play basketball well, yeah. are they going to feel involved are they going to or, want you know what i asked myself as well is it, how dangerous is it to when you do like mercenaries when you know hired guns mm. for one season and you're trying to get to win a championship in that season or you put all your eggs in that season and you exchange draft pick and all that you, mm. you put a team in a situation that if you don't win those players are gone next year and you're in a worse position that you were a year before that before you wanted to go all in so so you have to be careful how you handle that season and during that season if you're seeing that you're not going to win you need to do the move accordingly to go from a buyer uh, to, to, to from a buyer to a seller and mm-hmm. to actually maybe get more draft pick that you lost while trying to go all in Oh yeah, because they're going to have a bad draft pick if they're with this year. They're going to have like a non-lottery draft pick this year that I'm pretty sure. Um, Serge Ibaka is on his last year of contract, and uh, Jeff Green has been signed for one-year contract. So your concerns are very real. And if Bismack Biombo continues to be Bismack Biombo at 18 million a year, I think that GM of uh, the Orlando Magic, Rob Hennigan who was hailed as a genius when after the Dwight Howard trade, might lose his job over this season, actually. Well, you know what it reminds me of? Of the Alex Anthopoulos in Toronto in baseball last year and a half ago. But in, but, uh, in the offseason instead of... But that's because of the way the sport is based. But yeah, it, it's a little bit like this, where the GM, like, yes, he he's the one who quit. Like, he uh, resigned. But... Still, because he didn't get what he had done, he jeopardized the team in a bit where the new general manager had to be really creative to replenish the draft picks and stuff that he got rid of. But allow me to to show my ignorance of baseball to the readers, but didn't he do a good job? Yes, that's what he did a good job, yes. But why? what, what, what was the problem then? Why did he quit? He left because uh, there was a new president coming in and he mm-hmm. didn't feel that he was going to have the same control on a team with that new president. He's not going to oh. be, basically, he's not going to be the man in charge anymore. Even oh, though, okay. yeah, so that happened. And his moves were not necessarily representative of what that GM Shapiro wanted, or Shapiro was the president, but what he would have loved to do in this position. So, yeah. That was like explained. Sam Hinkie with the 76ers last year. I would, yeah, I would, that's a very fair comparison. Okay, okay, I get it. It's, uh, yeah, but uh, Hennigan was uh, very close to Hinkie in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, contacting the league. So I'm probably going to be in the unemployment office together. But they're not going to stay unemployed for long. They're very smart guys. It's just that having them in charge of teams, you know, uh, I don't know about that. Like Rob Hennigan is actually younger than me. I think he's two, 32 years old. So uh, I think like he might have to get, get take the back seats to a more experienced basketball mind. I really feel like he's going to lose, lose his job over this season. To finish the show, as always, Ben, the yes. prospect of the week, this week, Ivan Rob. Yes, have you made your homework? Uh, I, that's the only thing I missed is watching Yvonne <laughs> Rob. That's the only thing I missed. That's a curious name from a kid from Oakland, California, don't you think? I, I was expecting somebody from Russia, Belarus, <laughs> or something. No, he's a black kid, gangly black kid from Oakland. Um, Ivan Rab is a curious talent because he's a very he's he his skill set and the, what he brings to the game might be a reflection of what the NBA could be in five years 
he he has some very interesting pieces. He's one of the kids I've been watching since he's like 13 years old or something. Uh, here's how much of a loser I am. Okay, I you know don't you say watch, that. Don't say that. Don't say that. When when I watch uh, high school basketball, I watch mixtapes. I watch highlights. But I've actually in December of 2014 watched an entire game. <laughs> where Ben Simmons played Ivan Rab uh, in high school uh, <laughs> as a high school senior when Bishop O'Dowd played Mont Verde uh, somewhere in California. It was Who won? 1 in the morning. Who won? Uh, I was Mont Verde, actually. Ben, so, Simmons ben Simmons looked like a man and Ivan Rab looked like a kid. And that's why Ivan Rab, after last season in college, stayed in college. Uh, they had a terrible... Uh, they had a terrible uh, first-round exit in the NCAA tournaments to Hawaii. Neither me or our friend uh, Jonathan Tannenwald have, predi- have predicted that, by the way. And Jalen Brown went to the draft and got drafted by the Celtics. Ivan Rabb could have been drafted top 10, but he is missing a key part for the modern big man, which I think he's, tr- he's going to try to develop this year with a three-point shot. He he's a good inside out big man. He's a great rebounder. He grew one inch in college and he took 30, uh, 15 pounds. So he's 6'11 through 30 now. So he's 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 he, he, he's a center basically. Like he, he was a power forward in high school. He's going to be a center, I think, in the NBA. He's very nimble. He might he lack some a bit of strength, which he's never going to really have. Um, he's he gets pushed under uh, the basket a lot, but it's, it's going to so that's something he's going to have to adjust for all his life because it's only going to get worse even if he gets stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has good post game, but I'm not surprised because every every big guy who plays basketball who loves playing basketball has a good post game. Like if your big guy doesn't have a good post game, a good back to the basket game. Well, you're not going to make it to that level period. He, and he's probably uncoachable. (laughs) He's probably, he's probably very hard to coach because that's the first thing big guys learn in elementary school is the back to the basket moves. I even know my back to the basket moves because I was very tall, very young. So I, but I kept out at 13 years old. That was my problem. <laughs> you didn't continue, <laughs> but uh, but uh, Ivan Rab is probably going to declare for the draft this year. I wouldn't be surprised. It, let's say he develops a little bit of a jump shot. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the second big man drafted this year after Harry Giles. And if Harry Giles gets injured again this year, I he might be the first big guy drafted, and he's go, I'm pretty sure he's going to play center for a team in the NBA somewhere. I could see him becoming very Chris Bosch-like if he gets a, th- <laughs> a three-point shot. That, that's my comparison for the NBA. All right, Ben. We will talk to each other next week for the continuation of our preview of the 2016-2017 season. Yes, sir. Central Division. Don't miss it. Central Division next week. And until then, have a great basketball. Yes. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.